Hey everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the Real Nerddom 101 podcast. I am your host, Superbeard Vince Hoover, once again, hitting you up on a Wednesday night, or whatever night you happen to be listening to this, because you can listen to it whenever you want. So, first and foremost, get the formalities out of the way. You can always find us at nerddom101.com, that's N-E-R-D-D-O-M 101.com. Also, you can find our podcast available at iTunes. Google Play, Stitcher, Deezer, uh, where's my list? Pippa.io, which is our hosting site, as well as iHeartRadio. You can find a podcast even on there. It's available all there. You'll also see it on Facebook and Twitter, uh, which is at SuperBeardArt. Also go to Facebook. Check out SuperBeardArt as well as Nerdum 101 They both have Facebook pages there. Like us, tweet us, retweet us, whatever you want to do. Do it all. We appreciate it. Um, first matter of business. So now that I'm on episode three, I'm going to throw it out there to the fans. Uh, any of you guys that are musically inclined, I am looking for like a 10 to 15 second little intro uh, song. Something funny, irreverent, you know, quirky, you know, think 80s. I'm always a big fan of the 80s. So but it's just something fun, something... You know, just, and again, just 10 to 15 seconds. Um, obviously, I'm not going to pay you because, you know, I'm poor. What do you want? But uh, you'll obviously get a shout out and you'll get a featured article interview on the uh, website. So make sure you do that. All right. So today I wanted to talk about some pretty big news, actually. Um, well, news, it's its big for me. It's something I enjoy. Is, uh, I'm actually now a featured writer for screen, uh, ScreenGeek.net. Uh, so, on top of my blogs that I post on Nerdom 101, you're also going to see me on ScreenGeek.net. Uh, just started doing these yesterday. Already have... One, two, three, four... Like, five or... Five articles posted... And two more that are going to be posted later on today or early tomorrow. Um, it's great. It gives you a nice little insight into the world of everything geek. Um, I'm doing a lot for the film and, film and television division right now. Um, including some interesting articles, which I'm going to discuss a little more in depth today. Uh, now, the I'll, I've got one that kind of leads credence to Avengers Infinity War and some spoilers. So I'm going to wait on that one. Um, in case you haven't seen it yet, which, if you haven't, you know, what's wrong with you? Seriously. Go see it. It's fantastic. I don't know what you're waiting for, but go. Go. Anyways. Uh, now, Dead, one of the articles was uh, on Deadpool. Deadpool 2, which will be coming out tomorrow. Which, again, I'm recording this on Wednesday, May 16th, 2018. Um... Tomorrow is the early release on Thursday, which I will be going to the 7 o'clock showing and then writing a hopefully spoiler-free review. Yeah, I'll do a spoiler-free review um, on my site, Nerddom101, N-E-R-D-D-O-M-101.com. I'm going to pitch it all the time, guys. Sorry about that. But um, yeah, so just I'll have a spoiler-free review up over the weekend. And then I will probably spend all of the next podcast actually discussing the movie in depth. So next week will be a spoiler-filled episode on Deadpool 2. So keep that in mind. 
But uh, in the article, it was an interesting thing that's come out recently that there was a after credit scene that's been you know put on the cutting room floor, and that's because in the initial screening, it didn't go over very well. Uh, the rest of the film is done uh, fairly well. Most reviews are positive. Um, there's some hoity-toity critics out there who don't like it, but then again, as the film isn't black and white in a foreign language with subtitles or being filmed at Kansas or shown at cons exclusively, they don't like it anyway. So screw those guys. Um, but during the initial screening, there was an after-credit scene that, um, yeah, it was a little much even for the most hardcore of audiences. In the credit scene, you see Deadpool using a little bit of the cable time travel to go back in time to find a certain historical figure as a child, more specifically as a newborn. In the after credit scene, you see Daredevil uh, kind of pacing around a nursery uh, with the name card of A. Hitler. That's right. Deadpool was after Adolf Hitler as a baby. He then proceeds to uh, choke the baby to death. And also in the process of him choking him, the camera pans to where you end up in the baby's perspective. So you're looking up at Deadpool choking you you as the baby to death. So apparently that was a line that was even too much for Deadpool to, to, to cross. So they went ahead and cut that. Now there's a good chance it could be on the Blu-ray when it comes out. Um, I don't know. It may be too much. They may not even, they may just not even put it anywhere at all. They may just never let that be seen again. But, um, just a moment. I have to take a sip. That's good. Vanilla Pepsi. Um, but, yeah, I think, look, we all know Adolf Hitler, worst human being ever. Greatest villain of all time. Worst person to ever live, yada, yada, yada. However, strangling a baby, even for the ability to stop the Holocaust, it just, yeah, it's a little much, isn't it? I believe so. Um, and again, there is obviously a deeper meaning there. It isn't just, oh my God, he's killing a baby. It's the whole, you know, he went back in time to prevent the Holocaust, the death of six million Jews, all the persecution, and, and you know, it effectively ending World War II before it starts. Um, but, gotta say, man, strangling a baby, just, it's a little much, man. It's a little much. Uh, plus, I mean, you want to get into the metaphysical about it. What about the, the, the major ramifications? I mean, if Deadpool does this, it would irrevocably change history as we know it in a massive scale. And to the point where he may never ever get his powers. He may never even become a merc in the first place. He may never even join the military. He may never do any... He might end up as like a... A, a CPA for some Fortune 500 company. I mean, who knows? Like... I mean, it's just... There's so many things there. So, even if you want to get... If you can get past... If you can, you know, pardon the pun, choke down the sight of him, you know strangulating a, ch- a, a newborn infant, which that in and of itself is a little, you know, and by little I mean way too much. Um, Just the, the ramifications of the, of what happens with time travel, the butterfly effect, the whole nine yards, is a little much. 
it's a little, little, little scary. A little, um, too many variables, too many things. So, not saying that we, you know, what Hitler did was great, but it is what it is, and so we have to move forward from that. Can't go back and change it as much as we'd like to, because it would have. I mean, I mean, who knows? We kill Hitler, and then the person who ends up would have taken over Germany that instead of him could be even worse and might end up winning the war and we could end up in a totalitarian global dictatorship. Who knows? But <laughs> at the end of the day, the uh, producers and director and everybody else was like, mm, yeah, this didn't go over well. Let's go ahead and cut that. And so we will not be seeing the uh, choking of Adolf Hitler as a baby in Deadpool 2. Now, that being said, again, reviews are out. It's uh, certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It looks to be doing uh, very well, for the most part, by critics, and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait to see it. It's going to be an awesome, awesome film. I've already got my tickets, and I'm going to go see it tomorrow. I'm excited. It's going to be great. Now, another article that I worked on. Um, was that the Eternals movie has its set of writers. Now, for those of you unaware of who the Eternals are, they're a uh, Jack Kirby creation for Marvel uh, back in the 70s. I want to say it was 74 when he first initially released them. Uh, they are a set of humanoids uh, created by Celestials that had their evolution accelerated, uh, creating powers and gifts and almost godlike abilities. They created their home on the uh, Saturn moon Titan and proceeded to help out the cosmos, as it were, a uh, group of heroes. So the main thing, though, you have to remember is these are Jack Kirby creations. You're going to get that very stylized, very real superhero look. I mean, let's, I mean, let's be honest, people. Jack Kirby, the reason we look have a look for superheroes now and, and what a superhero looks like is because of Jack Kirby. You go back and look at obviously Superman predates Jack Kirby's work. Excuse me. Oh. This is what happens when you don't sleep. Um I'm boring myself. Um hopefully I'm not boring you guys, but no I'm just ex I'm I'm truly exhausted guys. I don't get any sleep ever. But um what was I saying? Oh yeah, Jack Kirby. So, of course, Superman, he predates, you know, all the Kirby and Stanley work and all that. But he wasn't drawn just a, a, a regular barrel-chested kind of dude. Not very cut, not very larger than life. He was just a, 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 you know, like a large man. He was just... And then you see Batman, same thing. He just like a, looked like an average person. Then you bring in Jack Kirby and Stanley, and they create characters... Um, and these characters are over the top, man, in a good, good way. I can't say that enough. He created the mold of what a true superhero looks like, and just, you know, the muscles and the outfits and, and larger-than-life personas and all that. Jack Kirby gave us what is the quintessential superhero that we see today. Uh... One of my all-time favorite artists and creators. And the Eternals are a fantastic, fantastic series. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can bring in. Marvel has been able to do something 
that I don't think that Warner Brothers and the DC Extended Universe can do. I don't think DC can grab an obscure character um, and make a hit out of it. Marvel, on the other hand, has done just that. A perfect example is that is the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Groot, Rocket Raccoon, Nebula, all obscure characters in the Marvel realm. I mean, there's, it, that was kind of diving deep, but you know what? It worked, and it worked well. And then you've got Black Panther, although a, a slightly more mainstream character, not by much. Um, it's been around for a long time. Um, actually predates the Black Panther Party. Um, in fact, some have said that the Black Panther Party took their name from the character. But um, still kind of obscure and, 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 you know, has been hit or miss in the comics. And then, of course, it's one of the greatest Marvel movies and just most successful movies of all time. And then you've got, you know, just, you know, Iron Man who, although, you know, kind of mainstream character, he wasn't who you would have thought you would have built the MCU around, but they did, and it worked. So Marvel, although it's had a few swing and misses, those have been on a small scale compared to anybody else, and they've been highly successful. So I don't expect the Eternals to be any, any different. I mean, let I me mean, also look at look at Ant Man, and not only Ant Man, you had uh, second generation Ant Man and Scott Lang, and yet successful character. Um, Ant Man and the Wasp is looking to be fantastic, and I can't wait for that to come out. And of course, you got Captain Marvel coming out. Now, a lot of people don't even know who that is, and I, but I guarantee you, you're going to see another fantastic movie, and it's just going to be great. You know. In the grand scheme of things, if it's not Captain America, the Hulk, or Spider-Man, maybe Thor, I mean, and now Iron Man, but before the movies, I mean, the casual fan who'd never really picked up a comic book, they knew Spider-Man because he's always been all over the place and had movies, and even before then, just cartoons and whatnot. Um, Captain America's always been an icon. Um... The Hulk is known, you know, thanks to Bill Bixby in the TV show. But the casual fan didn't know what most of these were. But uh, now these are all household names and everybody knows who they are. And it's caused people to pick up comic books. And you're going to see more of that now too. Like Again, Captain America, Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, and now the Eternals. So I'm excited to see how that turns out. I'm a huge Jack Kirby fan. If you saw Thor Ragnarok, uh, the planet uh, Sakaar. All that, the, the costumes, the buildings, the the poppy bright colors, that's all Jack Kirby influenced. It was almost pulled directly out of a Jack Kirby uh, comic book. The Celestials, if you remember in Guardians of the Galaxy, there was a Celestial with the Power Stone and the little images they were showing at the collector's place. And again, Jack Kirby, man. So, uh, the Eternals, I have a lot of excitement for the writers involved are the, uh, if I'm pronouncing this right, it's the Frappo brothers, or Farpo brothers. Um, they, they work on The Blacklist, which is the uh, hit show with, um, oh my god, my brain just shut off. James Spader, oh my god, wow. I really had a brain fart there, guys. Uh, James Spader, who did play Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron. 
Uh, he has the great show uh, Blacklist on NBC. And uh, these guys have written quite a bit of that show as well as directed several episodes and have done other little work. Um, now, they've not done anything in the realm of cinema. They've not done anything for the big screen. But, again, Marvel really knows what they're doing. Because look at the Russo brothers who just directed Avengers Infinity War. As well as Captain America Civil War and Captain America Winter Soldier. These guys got their start on community. You know, so... Marvel takes risks, but they're calculated. And they're well thought out. So, the Eternals, uh, if you get a chance... I mean, just look up the Wikipedia if you want. You can check it out. It's fine. Uh, or go pick up some uh, trade paperbacks. Uh, it's worth the read. The art's phenomenal, because again, Jack Kirby. So, go check it out. It's worth checking out. Uh, what was something else I worked on? Oh, okay. Um... Oh, no, I can't really discuss that one. That one's on a website. Go check out. There's an article on the, um... Uh, Joe Bailey does the honest trailers for movies, and he did one for Black Panther, which was quite hilarious. Uh, rather tame compared to many of his other ones, uh, but he still gets in on it, and it, it's it's pretty well. So check that out. Go to nerddom101.com or screengeek.net, and you'll find the article on there with a link to the uh, YouTube video. You can watch the honest trailer for Black Panther. I highly suggest it. It's very funny. Um, one of the key things, people... Don't take yourself so seriously. Don't try to dissect a film for its underlying meaning and how its importance to society and whatnot. And yes, there are films that make these impacts. And Black Panther in and of itself made an impact. A cultural impact. But come on. Enjoy the film, man. Just And if somebody does these little videos to make fun of it, laugh. It doesn't change your opinion of the film. Just because somebody else doesn't like it or somebody else wants to make fun of it doesn't mean you have to now suddenly hate it. So just enjoy it. I, it it's like a comedy roast, you know? You know, These people go up there and they make fun of these comedians and these actors, but it's all out of love, you know? You make fun of your friends all the time, so why not be able to do the same thing with movies and stuff? So just don't take it so seriously, people. Black Panther was a great film, but the Honest trailer is hilarious and well worth a watch. It's going to take a couple minutes out of your day. No big deal. Let's go check it out. Nerdum101.com or ScreenGeek.net. I think you can find it under Screen Junkies on YouTube as well if you want to go directly through YouTube. So that's an option. Uh, I'm trying to think of an article. (laughs) Now my brain doesn't want to work. Um, One of the ones that we'll be posting soon, which will probably be up by the time this actually... Uh, you get to hear it, um, is some behind-the-scenes stuff on Daredevil Season 3. Now, um, it's recently been announced that uh, there was an actor cast as Bullseye, so we will be getting to see Bullseye. I'm excited about that. He is Daredevil's greatest villain. He's the yin to, to Daredevil's yang. He is all of what Daredevil is, but on the opposite side of morality. Um, just, you know, he's a He's the the mirror effect. He's the 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 devil to you know Daredevil's angel. So it'll be good to see Bullseye uh, brought into the series, and hopefully it's done well. And they've done well so far. I, I've really enjoyed the Netflix series. Um, 
but recently it was released that there was some a fan took some you know uh, behind the scenes clips that he happened to see them shooting and Daredevil happened to be in the old black costume that he had through most of season one the black costume was what he uh, wore through most of season one until finally getting the armor and uh, it ended up he wore the obviously the armor through season two and then um, in Defenders and whatnot, but he's apparently donning the black outfit again, and this could either be because he's having to rebuild everything after Defenders, because he was left kind of in disarray, or it could be that uh, these are flashback scenes, because it has been talked about they're going to go dive into Karen Page's past. Uh, as well as they may have to dive more into um, Bullseye's past, where he may have, you know, maybe he uh, was scouting Daredevil or keeping an eye on him as he started his uh, his uh, trek into uh, vigilanteism and becoming a hero. Uh, so that is something. I'm trying to pull up all the articles, guys. I don't. I'm not organized. I apologize. This is what you got. For those of you that listen that know me, you know what you're getting. Okay. Yeah, so the black costume has been spotted. So until we know a little bit more, it's going to be... We just know that um, uh, he's in the black costume. Could be flashbacks. Could be God knows what. So we'll see. Um, But again, I'm looking forward to season three uh, with the bringing out Bullseye. Uh, it's supposed to be the uh, Frank Miller Born Again storyline, which they do dive a lot into Frank Miller. Frank Miller, I think, kind of goes underrated as far as his storytelling in comic books. And a lot of, you know, if you're in the comic industry or you know a bit about comic books, you know how important Frank Miller is. But I don't think you understand just how important. You look at all the things that he has inspired. You have, obviously, 300, which is directly out of a graphic novel he did. Uh, ben Affleck's portrayal of Batman has been all based around the Dark Knight Returns storyline by Frank Miller, uh, including they had an actual Dark Knight Returns animated movie, which was great, uh, except for the Joker was not voiced well, but we won't get into that right now. Nobody replaces Mark Hamill. We'll just leave it at that. Um, But also, you look at season one of Daredevil and bit of season two, it's all the Man Without Fear storyline, which is a Frank Miller Daredevil story. And now season three will take another Frank Miller storyline. And there's other works in the comic realm that Frank Miller has worked on that have inspired uh, TV shows and films and whatnot. So just, uh, the guy's amazing. Of course, Sin City. Um, can't believe I was forgetting to mention that one. Sin City, two films there. Um, which, you know, the first one's fantastic. second one, not, uh, it's not as good as the first one. It's only because the A Dame to Kill For storyline wasn't as great. That's what they did in the first one. But still a good movie. But people, just because it, it didn't match up to the first one, it got, you know, bashed big time and by critics and fans alike. But Frank Miller, somebody very important to uh, comic storytelling, at least in a modern age. Um, guys like him, Alan Moore, Brad Meltzer, uh, Grant Morrison, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, that's, you know, that's the modern side, that's the modern age, and they have really stepped up with these, uh, 
deep and emotionally emotionally tolling stories and it's not just all flash and circumstance and it's just it's really good storytelling really gets to the meat of the character which is great to see okay so why am i running out of breath i need to breathe while i talk so i'm not gonna pass out in the middle of the podcast all right so let's see here i'm gonna talk about that ah now kind of switching gears just a little bit um, still in the film realm, but Resident Evil. Now, Resident Evil, the final chapter, came out 2017, and almost immediately after it released, it was announced they were already working on a reboot of the Resident Evil uh, series for film. But now it seems that they may actually go a TV route instead and make it a TV series. I'm really excited about this. Because... I mean, let's face it, the Resident Evil movies, if you took the name Resident Evil off of them and put anything else on it, they'd probably make even more money than the money they made. I mean, technically it's the most successful game-to-film adaptation ever um, as a series. It's made $1.2 billion out of the six films. Um, but, again, if you break that down, that's $200 million a film, and that's close to what it costs to make them. Um, so, but it's made the most money out of any video game adaptation done to film. But that's also based on the mass amount of movies. But, um... They didn't... I mean, they barely had anything Resident Evil about the movies, in all honesty. I mean, there was, like, the Umbrella Corporation, you had Wesker, you had uh, Nemesis at one point, but, I mean, the main character was a made-up character um, who was later kind of put in the games, but it just, it wasn't... It strived more for action than it did for horror. And in all fairness, Resident Evil, uh, bits of four, main the five, and pretty much all of six, got away from horror, that survival horror side, and went more action-based. But if you have played Resident Evil 7, holy crap, it's one of the scariest games ever. And I mean ever. And, uh... Now they have it in VR. I mean, you can play it in VR too, which would probably make you pee yourself. Um, so do it. Go for it. You know, you haven't lived to you pee yourself playing a video game. But um, making it a TV series, and as long as they stick to the horror, which is what they've also said, is that they're going to stick more to the horror side of it. You take, you can look at it at movies like, or TV shows like The Walking Dead, and look at what they did right. Look at what they did wrong. I believe you're going to have to put this on either Netflix or uh, HBO or something that's stars, maybe. Um, you know, look, Ash vs. Evil Dead, fantastic show. Uh, you're going to have to put it on somewhere where you can go uh, TVMA, for sure. But there's a rich 20-plus year uh, history of stories with those games, and... I, man, I really hope they do this well, because, holy crap, uh, a good Resident Evil uh, TV series would just be the best thing ever. Um, I've always looked at those movies, or those games, as movies. I mean, they're cinematically made, and there's so much there, and it's so worth, oh, it's so worth sitting through and being scared out of your mind. 
because you really get into it, and it's, they're really good games. And again, Resident Evil Seven was amazing. Uh, I'm looking forward to. Also, they released in 2015 the news that they're making, um, re- they're remaking Resident Evil Two, you know, for the updated platforms and whatnot. And of course, got super excited. This is great, but then they haven't really announced much else about it. So it's like. Hopefully, we'll hear something at E3, because um, that would be awesome. All right, we are at the near halfway point for the podcast. I usually do about an hour. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about the other article I want to talk about, which is a spoiler for Avengers Infinity War. So here it is right now. Spoiler for Avengers Infinity War. Spoilers coming, spoilers coming, spoilers coming. You may want to skip ahead. I don't know how long I'm going to be. But, um, yeah. I mean, maybe just... Uh, I'd, I'd hate to tell you to turn off the podcast, but if you haven't seen it yet, uh, pause the podcast, go see the movie, come back, and then work it up from here. All right. So, did you do it? So, everybody... I All right. Earmuffs for people who haven't watched Avengers Infinity War yet. Earmuffs, earmuffs. Alright, so everybody left is all... You all seen it? Yes, show of hands? Okay, cool. Alright. So, in Avengers Infinity War, um, there's been a new theory postulated that Banner is not Banner at all. And it's actually Loki in disguise. And that Loki actually survived. Uh, It postulates that um, when Hemdell sends the Hulk away, it's actually Loki. That's why he knew to go to Doctor Strange's uh, Sanctum Santorium, having already had interaction with Doctor Strange, and knowing that Doctor Strange most likely has, you know, he, knowing that he has intimate knowledge, Loki does, of the Infinity Stones, he might have very well realized in the little bit of time that they interacted that the uh, time gem was around his neck. So, Loki poses as Hulk, fakes his death with Thanos, and gets sent to Earth. Uh, now, uh, there's several problems with this, but we'll get into that. And the theory then begins to go on that the reason he can't actually transform into the Hulk is because the Hulk isn't there at all. And that... Loki can't transform into something he isn't actually able to do. And at first the theory is like immediately it was immediate that's stupid. He died. But then I thought about it a little bit reading it reading I'm like, "Oh, you know what? Maybe maybe." Then I actually thought about it just a little bit more than 5 seconds. All right, here's the thing. Hemdale can see all souls. He's kind of all-knowing, at least when it comes to people. So he would know who Doctor Strange is. He would know the power he possesses. And Hemdell has knowledge of the Infinity Stones as well. So he would know to send Banner there. Now, Loki couldn't possibly have known that Hemdell was even going to do that. So how would he have known to take the Hulk's place? On top of that, uh, 
it makes sense to maybe fake the Hulk transformation when you're around Tony and Doctor Strange. But it doesn't make sense during the Battle of Wakanda when you're inside the Hulkbuster suit and no one else is around. You know, so why are you faking these transformations and having these conversations with a Hulk that you're not actually are? So, at the end of the day, that's the big thing about theories, is that an idea is like, oh, well, what about this? Oh, well, well, this helps it, this helps it, but you don't actually think it through. Now, there's some other theories I'd like to discuss as well with the Avengers. Um... One of them being that Nebula could become a villain in Avengers 4. Um, this stems from the comic books that Nebula helps try to defeat Thanos and get the gauntlet off him. But when she gets the gauntlet, she becomes evil in and of herself. And Karen Gilliam has been on record saying that she'd be down to become a villain. However, I just don't see this happening. Um, it really just doesn't make sense. If you think about it. She's already been a villain, and to turn her back, like, after the remorse she shows and, you know, the fact that she's, you know, upset that Gamora died and everything else, and plus the glove's been pretty much destroyed, if you tell me in the movie, after the, after the, the snap of his fingers, it was pretty tore up. So no, I don't think that one will come true at all. It doesn't really hold a lot of merit. Okay. So, uh, Aunt May is distraught more so than ever. Because having watched the news and knowing where Peter was on a field trip and then not being able to get a hold of him, you'd have to assume that he went on the, on to, to fight. You know, because she knows he's Spider-Man now. So, she would have probably seen Spider-Man, you know, web shooting up to the ship on the news. And he hasn't come back. Um, I think it has been reported by the Russos that she has not died. So she didn't die when the finger snap happened. She did live. So she's going to be devastated beyond belief. And then Tony has to, of course, go back and tell her that, hey, uh, killed your nephew. Sorry. So that one, it's not really a theory. It's just more of a uh, kind of backstory that's not going to really probably be dived into too much. But yeah, she's probably going to be a hot mess for sure. Alright. Some theories about Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, the movie will be taking place right before Avengers Infinity War. or we you know, Presumably, we don't know for sure. But we have to assume so. The house arrest the whole night. Um, there's going to be some... Uh, Ant-Man and Wasp are actually in the Quantum Realm during Avengers Infinity War and don't come out of it until after the aftermath. Uh, allowing them to survive. Uh, this is an interesting theory. But I don't think the quantum realm would keep them safe from the finger snap. So their survival is purely luck. Not that they were in the quantum realm. Because it's... He says for, you know, all life. In his mind, it's all life balanced. So that would include any realm. Um... But I do believe the Quantum Realm might have something to do with how they resolve the issues in Avengers in 4. Um, and along that line, there's talk of uh, Hawk, Hawkeye and Ant-Man having to come together to help. 
Um, and there's a multiverse aspect, which was touched on in Doctor Strange, that these different realms or different universes, multiverse, the vast multiverse, as the Ancient One has said. So using the quantum realm, Hawkeye and Ant-Man could visit uh, the multiverse and find different Earths to recruit heroes. Um, uh, that seems like a lot of work for the filmmakers aspect of it, not for the story, like not for Hawkeye and Ant-Man, but I mean, from a filmmakers as uh, aspect and a storytelling aspect, that might be hard to pull off, but that would be interesting if it did. So maybe there's some merit there. Maybe, uh, there's talk about time travel. Uh, obviously there's a lot of behind the scenes that have been shot recently where you see, um, Captain America in his old Captain America outfit and Thor with long hair, what seemingly is the Battle of New York, but then you've got Stark in a modern um, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. outfit. So, it could either be time travel, or it could be uh, a modified version of Stark's BARF initiative, uh, the, the program he used. At the beginning of Avengers Infinity, uh, Age of Ultron at MIT, uh, looking into memories, maybe looking for clues on how to stop Thanos or something. Um, so we'll see about that. Um, now, another theory is that the people who died weren't the heroes at all, actually, but they were scrolls. Um, anybody familiar with the comic books knows there's the Secret Invasion storyline where it turned out that several Marvel heroes and villains were actually Skrull impersonators. Now, Skrull is going to be introduced in the Captain Marvel movie, which takes place in the 90s, which will be coming out before Infinity uh, Avengers 4, so later this year. Um, you're uh, going to see the Skrulls for the first time, and again, there are shape-shifting people who can take the place and powers of other heroes. So that could be how we bring back Spider-Man and Black Panther and all the ones that died is because they were, were the ones that did die weren't actually the originals. They could have been scroll impersonators or maybe scroll impersonators come back and take their place. Who knows? But there's a possibility there. Um, now the other theory is that the Fox merger would mean that the Fantastic Four and or the X-Men will be in Avengers Four or just after. Um, but that has been flat out said no. Joe, uh, the Russos have said no. No Fantastic Four, no X-Men in Avengers 4. And as far as they know, it will be... Uh, the deal isn't done yet, so they don't know when they're going to see him. They want to see him, but they don't know when they will. So, with that being said, um, I'm actually going to cut this podcast a little short. Uh, mainly because i got stuff to do, guys. Uh, but uh, keep an eye out for the articles on ScreenGeek.net uh, as well as Nerdum101.com. Um, any feedback, any ideas, anything you want me to talk about, uh, any podcast coming up. Uh, like I said, next week uh, I will be diving into uh, Deadpool 2 um, with a full spoilerific review of that film and really discuss that in depth. Also, um going to get in touch again with the Haunted Tours people. Haunted Tours is a show on Amazon Prime. It is the number one show 
on Amazon Prime right now for their genre for you know paranormal shows, um, and it's made by people locally here. And so I met them at Spooky Empire uh, a little over a month ago, and they're great, gracious people. And uh, so I'm looking forward to getting with them and setting up an interview, and we'll do a whole podcast with them. And that one's going to run as long as we want it to run. So, but um, if you get a chance, go check them out on Amazon. It's Haunted Tours TV. I think it's hauntedtourstv.com too if you want to go to their website. Go check them out. Um, so we'll do some episodes maybe leading up to that on the paranormal and um, on ghosts and different things like that. So uh, let me know what you guys want to see. If you have any ideas, anything you want to uh, have me discuss or uh, maybe we can set it up where some of you guys can come on a, on the podcast with me and, and we'll talk things out. Um, so just let me know what you want to hear. Uh, let me know some topics and I will get right on that. And uh, so again, you can always check us out, www.nerdom101.com, or check out my articles at screengeek.net. Plus there's tons of others on there as well to check out, so it's definitely worth checking out, look into it. Um, The podcast, you can find it on uh, our page, uh, pippa.io, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Deezer, uh, yeah, that's it. So go find it where you find your podcast that you love to listen to. Uh, as always, I am Superbeard Vince Hoover. You can hit me up on Facebook, um, Nerddom101 at Facebook, or Superbeard Art. If you have anything you would like to have drawn in the world of comic books or movies, let me know. I do do commissions. Um, also I will start posting some new art I have, um, sketch covers, stuff like that, and you can buy those as well. So again, it's Nerddom101 or SuperBeardArt on Facebook. Twitter is at SuperBeardArt, so you can always hit me up there as well. Please like, follow, share, tell all your friends, let everybody know, um, what you like, what you don't like, um, let me know. If there's something you want to see me change or... Just something you don't like, let me know about that too. I can't get any better if you don't tell me what's worse. So I can't fix it um, if I don't know. So let me know. I appreciate you guys. Um, again, I'm cutting this one a little bit short. Normally I try to go an hour, but we're going to go 45 minutes today because i got some other stuff to do. got more articles to write and stuff like that. So if you can, um, like, share, all that fun jazz. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you guys next week.